Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, November 10th, 11th rather. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, women continue to seek abortion care from a Jackson clinic at the center of a bitter national fight. Then, why one Mississippi congressman voted no on the new infrastructure bill. And a conversation with Gestalt Gardner, Felder Rushing. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Happy Veterans Day. More than 150,000 Mississippians are military veterans. That's about 7% of the state's adult population. Today, our thoughts and best wishes are with them, as well as the loved ones of those who've made the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. At an event for Gold Star Families in Mississippi yesterday, we spoke with Betty Holloway. She's a Madison resident and the sister of Army Lieutenant Colonel Jerry Don Dickerson, Jr., he knew from a young age he wanted to be in the Army. And upon high school graduation, he went through Army basic training. And then he went through ROTC all through college, graduating, I'm going to say, in 82 from Mississippi State and received his commission. And uh, he loved the military. He went on, uh, got his master's degree uh, at Texas A&M. And he taught... I couldn't tell you the schools, but he taught at military schools, and he loved it, and he was serving his country at the Pentagon when he uh, perished on 9-11. He was close to retirement. In fact, uh, he had agreed to stay an extra six months at that time, and then he had, uh, they had planned to take the children and be stationed in Germany for two years before the retirement. That was his immediate goal, and, of course, he... He didn't get to keep that, but um, he loved serving in the military. He loved his country. That's Betty Holloway, sister of Army Lieutenant Colonel Jerry Don Dickerson, Jr. Stacy Pickering is executive director of Veterans Affairs in Mississippi. He tells MPB's Kobe Vance what today's holiday means to him. You know, we have 187,000 veterans that call Mississippi home. And when you add their families to it, it more than quadruples that number. And Veterans Day is a special day that we get to set aside to say thank you to them. Just a way to tell our veterans, thank you for putting on our nation's uniform. Thank you for standing in the gap. And it is a very special moment in time to honor them. For those that have fallen in combat and we have leave their families behind as Gold Star families, what would you like to say to those families as we you know, celebrate Well, on Memorial Day and then on Veterans Day specifically, it reminds these Gold Star families of their loss. And the biggest thing we can do is say, thank you, we have not forgotten. You know, we want to make sure we never forget those individuals who have paid that ultimate sacrifice. And that lesson is taught generation to generation. What is your biggest memory that came out of your time in service here for Mississippi and for the United States? 
I think one of the biggest memories is the fact that you serve shoulder to shoulder with Mississippians of every race, color, and creed. And we stand there for one idea, and that's our Constitution, the idea and the principles of this great nation. And we stand there together. And I've had the privilege to serve on three and four different continents with these young men and women and to still watch the next generation step in, these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, raise their right hand, take the same oath that I took. That brings the greatest pride to watch that pass from generation to generation. Stacy Pickering is executive director of Mississippi's VA. Coming up, abortion rights hang in the balance at the Jackson Women's Health Organization. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the only abortion clinic in Mississippi, has become a lightning rod for a national debate over the ethics of reproductive care. That's due in large part to the fact that the clinic is headed to the Supreme Court this December to contest Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. Attorney General Lynn Fitch, who will represent the state in Washington, says she hopes to use the case as a fulcrum to reverse the Roe v. Wade decision. Earlier this week, protesters gathered on the sidewalk outside the Women's Health Organization to voice their objection to the clinic's abortion services. Among them was Diane Chisholm, who's the former president of an organization called Pro-Life Mississippi. I was unplanned back a long time ago, and I had an unplanned daughter, and I've had an unplanned grandchild. And that would be whole generations of people that would not be here if it were not for the grace of God and for the um, hardship of giving life. So I believe that all life is created by God. And I'm here to offer girls an opportunity to choose life for themselves and their child and for future generations. Inside the health center, women continue to receive abortion services, even as uncertainty uncertainty hangs over nearly every element of the clinic's operations. MPB's Desiree Frazier spoke with one woman who'd just come from a preliminary appointment. We're calling her Lori. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. What did you think about going through the consultation? I thought that some of the information is unnecessary to the point of just it's so obvious that probably doesn't need to be said and that it's probably more of a guilt tactic to try to get some people to step away but I think that by the time that someone's arrived here at a clinic that that's no longer necessary to put people through that. What made you decide that abortion was the right choice? I think that having the decision whether or not to have a child is not, well, it is a woman's decision. I think that it affects so many other people, so it's a very personal choice. And for me, I just have a lot of other things going on in my life where I don't think that bringing a child into this situation is the best for me right now. And I think that a lot of people would argue that, you know, well, there's adoption. But there's also consequences to adoption that um, you have to live with those choices. And a lot of um, people who have been adopted go through and they try to find their birth parents and they want all these answers. And sometimes those answers, no matter what they are, they're 
not going to satisfy anyone. They they can be hurtful or harmful, and that's just not a, a, I think that that option wasn't for me, so this was the right decision for me. Did you make the decision by yourself, or was anyone else involved? I was heavily influenced by my partner to make the decision, but I care deeply about my partner, and he was not ready to make this decision. Neither one of us were ever ready to make this decision, but we also aren't ready for a child. And that's not something that I want to force on anyone. How do you feel coming into the building with people outside trying to talk you out of going into the building? I think that everyone has a place to voice their opinions. If that's where they want to be voicing theirs, I'm glad that we live in a country where they have the right to be out there and voice their opinion. And I have the right to come in here. And I don't think shutting them up or taking their rights away is the answer. I think that they have a place just like I have a place. And the country we live in says they can be out there. But it also says that I can be in here. There is a threat that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. As I mentioned, Mississippi has a 15-week ban abortion, but they're also arguing about viability, which is when the fetus can live outside of the womb on its own. So there's really a forward momentum in ending abortion legally. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's a long-standing decision to overturn but and I hope that it does not get overturned. Um, and I think that I don't know. I just I think I, I hope that that doesn't get overturned. I don't see. I think that if it gets overturned, somebody else is going to find a way around that decision because abortion is a lot more common than it used to be. Women's rights are taking a forward step and to take a step back like that. You may try, but I don't think that you're going like I don't think that the Supreme Court is going to successfully achieve what they're setting out to achieve with that. What made you come to Mississippi because you're from out of state? I was not able to get an appointment within a time frame to be able to take the pill. I would have had to have a surgical abortion in the state that I was in. And um, so they had appointments available here. How far along are you? Ten weeks, one day. Anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share about this issue or how you're feeling? I think that for women who are considering this, um, we're almost taught that it should be a shameful decision. And... I think that it can also be an empowering decision, but that depends on what you choose to believe. If if you choose to accept the shame that the people, for example, that are, were outside of this abortion clinic today, if you choose to accept that shame, you can still go through with an abortion and you can carry that shame with you or you can be proud of the decision that you made and still make the world a better place, maybe your role in the world isn't bringing a child and raising a child in this world to make a better, make it a better place. But I would just encourage other women not to accept the shame that some people are trying to place on them because of this decision. Lori, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us about this important issue. Thank you.
coming up, why one Mississippi Republican congressman voted no on the new infrastructure bill. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. A Mississippi Senate committee is hearing from physicians and nurse practitioners about a state law that is at the center of an ongoing dispute. As MPB's Desiree Frazier reports, one side is proposing a solution. Nurse practitioners are required to find a doctor who will sign a collaborative agreement to oversee their work. They say the state ranks 50th for physician availability, and there are 6,000 nurse practitioners in the state who can help in rural and underserved areas where doctors are hard to come by. Robert Ware is a member of the Mississippi Association of Nurse Practitioners. Physicians totally control whether a nurse practitioner can or cannot work. The collaborative agreement without it, regardless of how many years I've been to school, how many years I have been a nurse, or how many years I've been in any practice, I cannot practice as a nurse practitioner if I do not have a collaborative agreement. Nurse practitioners also have to pay for the agreement, which some say can be up to several thousand dollars a year. The association wants that collaborative agreement removed after they obtain a certain level of experience. But physicians at the hearing contend nurse practitioners don't undergo the same rigorous training as physicians. And there is an online program under investigation. Dr. Claude Brunson is executive director of the Mississippi Medical Association. When seconds count, when the diagnosis must be correct, when it is your loved one's health care on the line, a physician-led team is critical. Collaboration is imperative to moving the needle to a healthier Mississippi with healthier outcomes. To reach a compromise, the Medical Association announced a partnership with a company that will match nurse practitioners with a doctor within 30 days, lower fees for collaborative agreements, and not require separate malpractice insurance. Senators asked probing questions, but ending the agreements remain an unanswered one. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up, why one Mississippi Republican congressman voted no on the new infrastructure bill. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Earlier this month, Congress passed an infrastructure package that sets aside $1.2 billion to address structural deficiencies in the country's roads, bridges, water systems, and the like. Mississippi is scheduled to receive a little more than $4 billion in funding from that total sum. Within Mississippi's congressional delegation, the bill wasn't especially popular. Democratic Representative Benny Thompson and Republican Senator Roger Wicker voted in favor of the package, but the other four members of the group cast their votes against it. That includes Republican Representative Michael Guest. He tells us the legislation goes against his conservative economic principles. You know, the, the issue I took was the overall price of that bill, uh, that bill uh, overall price tag being more uh, than a trillion dollars. Uh, I believe that if we look at our national debt, uh, we've seen particularly during the COVID-19 crisis that there were stimulus packages uh, that, that have added trillions to the debt. And uh, we, we need to at some point make sure that we're getting our financial house in order. And I don't believe uh, that it is wise to continue to add to the debt, even though that there are important uh, infrastructure um, projects that will be funded by that. Uh, I, 
the overall price tag of the bill uh, was uh, the, the main reason that, that I chose not to support that legislation. Uh, and also will not be supporting uh, the Build Back Better legislation that is being pushed now by the Democratic majority uh, in the House and Senate. Uh, I believe, again, that the spending in that bill uh, at this time is, is more than we need to face as America. I'm worried about things such as inflation. I'm worried about supply chain. I'm worried about those things that affect everyday Mississippians. And so I will continue uh, to join the other uh, Republican representatives in Mississippi again to push to, for conservative uh, solutions to, to many of these problems that our nation faces. Michael Guest is a Republican who represents Mississippi's 3rd District in Congress. He's served in that capacity since 2019. Coming up, a conversation with Gestalt Gardner, Felder Rushing. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Today, we are delighted to hear from our own Gestalt Gardener, Felder Rushing. Felder hosts a weekly radio show right here at MPB. He's also author of the new book, Maverick Gardeners, Dr. Dirt and Other Determined Independent Gardeners. More than anything, though, he is an utterly unique character who loves sharing his passion for all things horticulture. I was born and raised in Mississippi. My great-grandmother was a horticulturist who lived across the street. I used to play in her garden. When I was 10 years old, she called me a little professor because I just hung around her in daffodils and wildflowers and stuff and worked at a garden center and said, this is this is crazy. I, I want to learn more about this. And I went to college and realized I don't want to do garden center stuff. I don't want to just grow plants for a living and sell like, you know, I, I'm not a farmer. So I decided to go into education, got a degree, worked for the uh, extension service or retired from there and so for my entire adult life i've been basically interpreting the rules and the the, the challenges of horticulture into just plain old garden variety enjoying what you do gardening that so that's what i i answer questions in a user user-friendly way rather than the scientific production way that's what i do and it's taken me all over the world in a whole bunch of books and newspapers and all this kind of stuff but mostly it's just because i have a people approach uh, rather than a scientific approach to gardening. Does horticulture cover anything that grows out of the ground? It's ornamentals, fruits and vegetables, lawn care, landscaping, greenhouse production, uh, garden centers, uh, management, you know, anything related to basically fruit, vegetable, and ornamental plant production. As you said, you've written a number of books. This one, you're focusing on independent gardeners, non-traditional gardeners. How do you define a non-traditional gardener? A non-traditional gardener is the ones who, who garden like they were kids. You know, they plant what they like, they do what they like. If it doesn't work, it doesn't really throw them off. Uh, they enjoy it. They savor what they do. Uh, a lot of times they tend to overdo things. They may have way too many plants or they may over-accessorize. And uh, the rules just really, uh, I have to say, there's people who garden for the love of it and tend to garden outside the lines. They color outside the lines and they're okay with it. How many people are featured in your book? I have a little bit about my own garden, which is kind of quirky. It's not an ego thing. It's, it is a, it, My garden reflects what I've learned from all these other gardens. They've sort of freed me up. It has an entire chapter on, on Dr. Dirt, who is a, an African-American man who, who co-hosted this program for, for, uh, 
for uh, for four years. An incredible self-taught garden, unbelievable uh, number of plants, and he shared, and people loved to come visit him. And I was going to do a book about just him, and it turned out to me he just sort of represents people who color outside the lines. And so I ended up featuring seven or eight others who garden the same way, enthusiastically, willy-nilly. You know, they wish people would understand them, but it doesn't matter. And it includes a, a high-end landscape architect who lives in a gated community, a woman who has a little horse in her garden, a woman who lives on a rooftop uh, who gardens. She takes care of people in the medical profession and it's her release. Uh, you know, a woman from Jamaica who just surrounding herself with the beauty and the color and the memories of her childhood. So it's basically an incredible variety of people who have one thing in common, and that's gardening for the love of it. I want to go back to the very first person you mentioned. Did you say she has a horse in her garden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she lives around a, a couple of blocks around. she got an incredible little cottage garden. She has a, a miniature horse in it, <laughs> and uh, that determines what plants, what she plants inside the fence or outside the fence, whether or not the horse will leave it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the horse's name is Willow, and it, all the kids in the neighborhood come around, you know, to, to feed Willow some, some grass and stuff. So it's just sort of like a, a neighborhood big dog, I guess. There, there's another guy who has a gorilla garden. He lives in an apartment, and across the street was a parking lot with a little strip of grass between the parking lot and the street. And he started planting a little thing. He put a sundial out there, planted some okra, put some flowers, and it's turned into an incredible gorilla garden. It's not his property. And he has something in bloom or that he can eat every week of the year. And all the children in the neighborhood come by and he shows them how to, to plant stuff, how to make flower bouquets, how to clip herbs for, for, for simple meals. It's become a little corner herbery, and it's not even his property. Do you still learn from other people like these gardeners you've just mentioned? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every time I see one of these gardeners anywhere, and I'm talking about Japan or England or, or New Hampshire or California, anywhere you go, you're going to find people who garden like this, and they're always willing for somebody to stop and talk to them, knock on the door, you chat about a plant, and you find out what you have in common, and you always, almost always see a plant that you've never seen before growing in just plain dirt without a whole bunch of horticulture bells and whistles. And so I take that, and I put it out to the bigger world, and here's a good plant that will grow well without a lot of artificial life support. So I'm always learning from people who are always open, to, and they learn stuff, because they haven't been taught that there's a certain way you do it. Because they're open for good ideas, they end up working. Felder Rushing is a horticulturist. The book is called Maverick Gardens, Dr. Dirt and Other Determined Independent Gardeners. And if folks don't know who you are, they can hear you every Friday on the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. That's on at 9 in the morning. Felder, thank you so much. You bet. I appreciate, appreciate all the people out there keeping the garden flame going. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.